thank you for this day and we can come together to worship you and honor you, that we can come together as your people gathered in this place at this time. Uh, it's such an amazing privilege to know how much you love us and the way that you've created us and the way you've created our world. And Lord, as we come to you, we do come to you on behalf of our world. We continue to cry out. We know that there's been violence yet again in France. And we pray, Father God, for an explosion of the gospel in France, especially amongst Muslims there. We continue to cry out, Lord, for uh, North Korea and South Korea and reconciliation on the Korean Peninsula, peace that would allow the gospel to explode back into North Korea as it is even now. We know that, Lord God. But we pray that that would increase and we pray for peace in that area. We cry out to you for peace in the Middle East, an end to the war in Syria, as well as an end to hostilities between Israel and Iran. We cry out to you for that, Lord God. And we do ask for peace in our world. We ask that the power of the Holy Spirit would go out to bring the gospel through us and in us into many nations. And we pray that, Lord, especially here in London, where we have many nations. Lord, as we come to you, we think again of the seven and a half million that are within 15 miles of us right now who don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And we pray that your spirit would move in their hearts and their minds and that you would open a pathway for them to receive Christ and turn completely their lives completely over to Jesus. And we pray that we might have a part in that and share in that. We continue to cry out for this outpouring of your Holy Spirit that has been prophesied, that we've been believing for for a number of years now. We cry out to you for it, Lord God. We say, let your kingdom come in this and let your will be done and let people come to faith all over London. Let, let the sick be healed, let demons be cast out, uh, dare I say, even the dead raised in the power of your Holy Spirit. And let your church be set ablaze with the fire of revival. We do cry out for our city, Lord God, because we know that as you move in London, and as you work in London, and as you shift London, so also you will shift the world. And I pray, Father, that you'd help us not to miss what you are doing but help us to be a part of what you're doing in the power of your Holy Spirit. We pray especially, Lord, for the unbelievable conference that's happening on Saturday. I pray, Lord, that the people who come would be equipped to share their faith more boldly and powerfully. And I pray, Lord, that even unbelievers might come and receive Christ. I pray too, Lord, for reasons to believe as they have a, a whole team here this week, people who have come from the United States, not only to be part of the conference, but also to be part of London for a week. And I pray your protection to be upon them and that your grace and favor would go with them, giving them good weather wherever they go and a real glorious time. And I pray, Father, a, a special vision for what you are doing here in London so that they might capture your heart, not only for Europe, not only for the United Kingdom, but also for London and therefore for the world. And so we ask for that blessing that would be upon them. And we thank you. 
And Lord, I want to be bold and pray for myself as I go to Malaysia next Friday to be part of the International Gathering of Freedom in Christ Ministries there in Kuala Lumpur. I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would rest upon me as I teach in that conference and as I prepare for the teaching and also as I preach in a church there. But overall, Lord, I pray that that ministry of Freedom in Christ International would continue to expand as it is even today in Iran and into China and many other parts of the world. Now, Father, as we come to your word, I pray that you'd open it up to us, that you would bless us and that you would encourage us this day in the power of your spirit. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would fill me up right now so I can bring your word to your people boldly and faithfully through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Because we pray all these things in and through Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. Amen. We first turn to Psalm 15. It's a great psalm that talks about not only how we approach God, but also how we approach one another. O Lord, who shall sojourn in your tent? Who shall dwell on your holy hill? He who walks blamelessly and does what is right and speaks truth in his heart, who does not slander with his tongue and does no evil to his neighbor, nor takes up a reproach against his friend, in whose eyes a vile person is despised, but who honors those who fear the Lord, who swears to his own hurt and does not change, who does not put out his money at interest and does not take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things shall never be moved. And then let's go to James, James chapter 4. We'll read the first 12 verses there. James writes, What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? It is not this, is it not this, that your passions are at war within you? You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. You ask and you do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your own passions. You adulterous people, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you suppose it is to no purpose that the scripture says he yearns jealousy over the spirit that he has made to dwell in us, but he gives more grace? Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be wretched and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord, and he will exalt you. Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against a brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. And there is only one lawgiver and judge, he who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? And then finally, to John chapter 15. 
picking up with verse 12. Jesus is talking to his disciples and says, This is my commandment, that you love one another, as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, and that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. May God bless to us this reading from his holy word. A number of years ago, there was a doctoral student who uh, was doing uh, his PhD dissertation on Native Americans. And uh, so he asked to go and to live on a Navajo reservation with a particular group of Navajo Native Americans, and they granted him the unusual request. They wouldn't normally do this, but they granted him the request. And so for a year, this young man lived on this Navajo reservation. During that time, uh, he slept uh, with the family. He ate with the family he was staying with. He worked alongside of them in their daily chores. He did everything the family did as, as just part of life together. And during this time, he became especially close to the grandmother in the family because many generations of the families lived together. And so he became very, very close to the, the grandmother, the elderly matriarch in the family. And at first, I mean, she didn't speak any English at all. He only had a few words of Navajo. But over the course of the year, as they spent time together, as they fellowshiped with one another, as sometimes they just sat in one another's presence, she learned a little bit of English, and he learned a little bit of Navajo, and that relationship just began to grow and grow deeper and deeper and deeper. But finally, it came the time for him to go, uh, and so the group uh, uh, decided to throw a big party for him a big going-away party. It's kind of bittersweet and everything. And they had a great celebration, all the Navajo fry bread and, and all the Navajo delicacies and everything. They, they brought out everything. They had a great party. And he was getting into the pickup truck. And as he was about to get into the pickup truck, the elderly grandmother ran up to him. And she had tears in her eyes. And she grabbed him. She, she put her hands on his face and held his face still and looked into his eyes. And with tears, she said, I like me best when I'm with you. I like me best when I'm with you. That's such a great comment about friendship. And the power of friendship, really not only to transform our lives, but actually to bring the best out of us. You know, getting to see Amy when, when, when I came in, and I'm sad that Fuzz wasn't here, but, you know, we haven't seen each other for a few years, but, you know, just seeing her, was like we saw each other just a, a week or two ago, and there was this connection there, and, and the time that we spent with them, and just felt like it brought out some of the best things in me. And being around with the people here at, at City Temple, and the connections we have, 
You know, it just brings out the best. And that is the power of friendship. And I think that's one of the reasons why we all desire these deep, long-lasting friendships that are really made possible fully through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But we do have a challenge. Because many, many people, especially here in London, they find it extremely difficult to make friends. And so often, one of the most common complaints that I have, actually about almost every church, is that, oh, I, I don't really have any friends there. Uh, I, don't, I don't really have any friends. And I, I've kinda, I feel like I've tried, but I don't have friends. And there are many people that go from church to church and place to place, you know, looking for that kind of friendship and experiencing disappointment. And the challenge is that so often... When we are looking for those friendships, when we are desiring those friendships, what we're desiring is not to really have a connection with somebody else, but actually what we're often desiring is somebody who will meet my needs. One of the challenges I've seen with many young men who are, are looking to find a, a mate and they're, and they're crying out for a mate and they would like to marry somebody, but it's almost as if they want a wife just so they can have sex. And there's no woman that wants to be married to someone just because the man wants to have sex with her. And even though that's a fairly strong example, so often what we do in our relationships and our desire to have friendship is we say, well, I want somebody so I don't feel so lonely. I want somebody uh, that might complete me. I, I, I want somebody to, to be able to go to the cinema with. I want somebody to do this with or that with. And in the end, what we're saying here is really I want a companion. And that's not a whole lot different from ringing somebody up and saying, hey, I don't know you, but I'll give you 50 pounds if you'll come and hang out with me. So we know the power of friendship and we want to have the power of friendship. We want to experience it. We desire that, but so often, even as Christians, we don't know how to do it and we don't know the foundations of it. And so I want to share with you some insights today from the scriptures about the power of friendship and how to become the kind of person who will be a friend that others might be drawn to. Because not only do we want somebody where we might say, I like me best when I'm with you, but I dare say that the deeper call for us is to have people around us who come to us and say, I like me best when I'm with you. So how do we become that kind of person? I want to offer up seven different insights here, and I'll try not to be terribly long on them, but I want to offer up a few insights. Number one, we must accept ourselves as worthy of both giving and receiving friendship. Accept ourselves worthy of both giving and receiving friendship. Do you know every human being has worth because we're created in the image of God? Every single one of us even the most despicable of us has worth because we're created in the image of God. You are worth being a friend. And you have to believe that. 
Because what happens is, if you don't think that you have worth and value in the eyes of God or even in the eyes of people, you'll never do what it takes to be a friend. You'll often say, oh, you know, I can't really do that because they won't like me. They won't want me. Uh, if they really knew who I was, you know, they wouldn't want to be my friend. And on and on and on and on. And I've heard all these excuses. And, and I just have two words for you. If you're making these excuses, stop it. That's my two words. Just stop it. Because you have value and you are worth being a friend and people need to get to know you. But also, you can extend friendship. You can extend friendship because of who you are in Jesus Christ. Jesus makes us more than capable of offering up our friendship. And we can do that. And it's not really rocket science. I love Proverbs 22.11 says, He who loves purity of heart and whose speech is gracious will have the king as his friend. In other words, if your heart is pure, if you're not after stuff for yourself, but you really want to be a friend, and you, and you speak to other people in ways that show grace, even a king will be your friend. So that's the first thing. The second thing is very close to it, and this is we have to accept people as they are and where they are. Accept people as they are and where they are. Now, this doesn't mean that we accept people in their sin and their iniquity, right? It doesn't mean that if, if somebody is abusing us, we accept that. It doesn't mean that if, if somebody is trying to take advantage of us that we accept that. It doesn't mean that we accept people in their sinfulness, okay? Now, that's important to understand that. But we need to take people at face value. Take people for who they are. We don't try to change them. It's not your job to change anybody. The Holy Spirit is the one who brings change in people's lives. It's our, not our job to try to conform people to the image that we want them to be. It's a common mistake that happens in marriage relationships where the wife, you know, she likes her husband initially because he's kind of handsome and dashing and, and all those kinds of things. But then after they get married, uh, she learns things like uh, he doesn't always do the things he's supposed to do and this kind of stuff. So what does she do? She tries to change him. But that's the Holy Spirit's job. Your job is simply to accept him and to love him and to respect him as he is and allow the Holy Spirit to bring him about. And definitely, we cannot start talking about people. Now, so often we want friends, but what we end up doing is talking behind people's backs and trying to change them. And if we, we can't change them directly, we try to change them indirectly by getting everybody else to agree with us about our evaluation of them. But the scripture says, Proverbs 16, 28, says a dishonest man spreads strife and a whisperer separates close friends. So we can't be that kind of person. We need to accept people as they are and where they are. And then the third thing, if we want to be that kind of friend and we want to have those kinds of friends, we need to extend grace and mercy to people. It's akin to accepting them as they are and where they are. This means that we need to give everybody the benefit of the doubt.
we need to assume that everybody is trying to act in their best motives and that they have a reason for doing what they're doing. Well, right now, one of my challenges, I, I go around London, and there, you know there are a lot of stupid things that people do? Do you ever, have anybody, am I the only one that's ever noticed that? You know, and I'm walking around London, and I'm seeing that, and it used to, I just kind of yell at people and, and, and all of that. Now I'm trying to guess what the good motive they might have to do what they've just done might be. And sometimes it's really hard, but it's a way that we can practice extending grace and mercy to people. We're all broken. We're all messed up. We all do wrong things from time to time. We all make bad decisions. We all do stupid stuff. It's part of our condition as human beings, and so we need to learn how to extend grace and mercy to one another. And as we do, that's key for developing strong friendships. As Proverbs 17.9, you see a, a trend here. I'm quoting a lot from Proverbs today. As Proverbs 17.9 says, whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. Now by covering offense, Solomon is not saying covering up an offense, but he is saying kind of push it to the side. Don't take offense. Don't accept wounding. You don't have to take it. Just cover it up, push it away, extend grace and mercy, and you can be that kind of friend. Then number four, practice faithfulness. Practice faithfulness. You notice it's going to get more challenging as we go through this list because we have to practice faithfulness. As Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. And brother by here is not meant necessarily the biological brother. It's meant that friend brother. A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. It's in the moments of difficulty that you discover your friends. It's not in the moments of good. It's in the challenges that you face, and people walking faithfully beside you. This is one of the big, big things that happens so often, and I've seen it time after time, where Christians will walk alongside one another, they'll be friends, and then one of the Christians does something wrong. Sometimes they sin. And sometimes what they do is legitimately wrong and it's sinful before God. So I'm, it's not one of those things you can make an excuse for. It's not one of those things you can cover over. It's a genuine sin. And so they're walking with their friend. The friend sins and they say, okay, that's enough. I'm not going to be your friend anymore. Hands off. And they back away from their friendship instead of reaching down to their friend to love them and say, friend, this is not Jesus. And I'm not going to leave your side until you get back to the Lord. And there are many churches that make a habit of abandoning people in their times of adversity. And I see this. I see this with leaders. And I see this with followers. 
I see this all around, and we need to stick together. You must practice faithfulness if you're going to be that kind of friend where somebody will look at you and say, I like me best when I'm with you. Faithfulness is absolutely essential, and faithfulness will always be tested. It will always be tested. And guess what? If you don't practice faithfulness and you're not faithful in that time of adversity, you're not faithful. It's not something you grade on a curve. You know, if, if I'm with my wife and I just say, oh, Karen, I'm going to have an affair oh, just once a year, but the rest of the year I'm going to be faithful, guess what? I'm not faithful. I'm not faithful. And we're called to practice faithfulness. I also love what Proverbs 27, 6 says. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. You know, one of my tests of friendship, when I know somebody is genuinely a friend, is when they challenge me. When they challenge me. I know with Fadi, with one of our elders, uh, one of the days that I knew that I could trust Fadi was when Fadi called me out on something that I was doing that I didn't even think was sinful, but he said, Rod, you need to correct this. And I'm still working on it, Fadi. I'm not 100% yet, but I'm still working on it. But he was absolutely right. And that day, I knew that I had a friend, and I knew that I had a friend that would be faithful because he was willing to take the risk to say something to me that might threaten or challenge our friendship. And that's real friendship. That's real friendship. But guess what? Sometimes you do that, and the person will walk away from you. That's okay. That means they're not being faithful, but you still are called to be faithful. And a lot of times we have to practice our faithfulness for a very long time before we find another friend who will be just as faithful. But your faithfulness does not depend on somebody else's. Your faithfulness is completely up to you. And you notice, with all of these things, all of these things are things that you can do in the power of the Holy Spirit. All these things are within your ability right now. So practice faithfulness. That's number four. Number five, show loyalty. Show loyalty. Uh, Proverbs 27.10. Do not forsake your friend and your father's friend. Do not forsake your friend and your father's friend. In other words, show loyalty. Show loyalty. And the way that you show loyalty is in the secret place, not in the public place. Over the years, I've had many, many people who would stand up in public and say, I love Rod, I really support him, he's a great friend. And then they turn right around, and behind my back, they start attacking me. They start breaking me down. And we have to be careful. And even the best of us can fall prey to that. You know, there's times when, when I have fallen back on that, and I've not shown the kind of loyalty that I need to show in the secret place. But that is our challenge, and we have to show loyalty. Show loyalty. One of the problems, if you look at the Old Testament, you have Noah, and you might remember that situation of Noah. He gets drunk, and uh, he's in his tent, and one of the sons comes in, 
and he sees his father in his drunkenness. He sees him naked there, and he comes out, and what does he do? He immediately exposes his father to his other brothers. And the other brothers, they go in, and they say, they're not even going to look at it. They walk in with a blanket backwards so they don't see their father's nakedness. And they receive the blessing. That's what showing loyalty is all about. Not allowing other people to see us at our points of nakedness. And I mean, I'm not talking about physical nakedness, although that's probably true. But, you know, I'm talking about emotional and spiritual nakedness. Because we all have those moments. And I know the best friends in my life are those that I can be completely honest and open with showing them my naked emotions because they will not expose me. And that's the value. And the only way you learn that is by showing loyalty. Showing loyalty. Number six, give yourself generously. Give yourself generously. Many seek the favor of a generous man and everyone is a friend to a man who gives gifts. Proverbs 19.6. And this generosity is not about just giving money. It's not about just giving gifts. This generosity is about giving yourself, being generous towards people with your time, with your energy, with your resources, with your money, with the things that you do. Showing that kind of openness and that generosity. Proverbs 27, 9. Oil and perfume make the heart glad, and the sweetness of a friend comes from his earnest counsel. The sweetness of the friend is coming from sharing yourself with one another, encouraging one another, building one another up. Now, we do have to beware of people who might use us. You know, there are people out there who, don't, who claim they want to be our friends, but all they want is what we have. All they want is our resources. And we need to be on the alert from that. You know, there's some people who behave like parasites. All they want to do is take, 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 take. They take our time. They take our energy. They take our money. They take our resources. And, and they never give anything back. We have to be careful of that. There are some people who act like viruses. And viruses are those who always want to invade your, your space. They want to transcend your boundaries. And there's some who behave like cancers, and all they want to do is, is corrupt you, get you to think their way, to act their way. And so be on the alert for these people. But we must trust the Lord as well to protect us. You know, in my life, I've had so many people around me who wanted to take advantage of me, so many people who wanted to use me, so many people who wanted to mistreat me. I've seen this a lot. I've been wounded more deeply than I could ever express, probably by Christians. But you know what? Every single time, the Lord has protected me. Every single time, the Lord has built me up. And so I know that I can continue to give myself generously because as I give myself generously, the thing that I discover is that God continues to give himself generously to me. So I can give more. 
The more I give, the more God gives to me so that I can give. Now notice I didn't say the more I give, the more God gives to me so I'm getting richer and bigger, bigger and stronger and better. No, the more I give, the more God gives so that I can keep giving. And that's the truth for us. And we have to give ourselves generously and we have to step out and do it. We can't wait for God first to give generously to us uh, to the point where we think, okay, now I can give generously. We need to understand God has already given himself generously to us through his son, Jesus Christ, in the power of his Holy Spirit so we can give ourselves generously to others. So give yourself generously. So to recap, so far for the first six, in case you didn't get them, accept yourself as worthy of giving and receiving friendship because you are in Christ Jesus. Accept people as they are and where they are and let God change them and let God move them. Extend grace and mercy. Practice faithfulness. Show loyalty and give yourself generously. And again, all of these things you can do. Every single one of these is a choice that you make. It's not something that you often feel like doing, but it's a choice you make. And number seven, and this is very important, most important, remember Jesus as a friend. Remember Jesus as a friend. I love that passage. I love what he said. You know, no longer do I call you servants, but now I call you friends. If we are in Christ Jesus, we are friends of Jesus, and Jesus is a friend, and Jesus is our model of friendship. And I, when you hear that, everybody thinks, oh yeah, that sounds great. But I want to give you three principles here that comes from Jesus' model of friendship. Jesus' principle number one is the many, the twelve, the three, and the one. Many of us live with the illusion that we're going to have dozens and dozens and dozens and dozens of friends. But if you look at the life of Jesus, he had dozens of acquaintances. He had many, many people that he knew. There were many people around him, and there are actually many people that were following him. But out of that many, he had a core group of 12. And we tend to think, oh, he was really best buddies with those 12. But you know, that's not true. They hung out together. They certainly spent a lot of time together. But the 12 were just kind of like his outer inner circle. Because out of the outer inner circle, there was an inner circle, and that was the three, Peter, James, and John. And Peter, James, and John went with Jesus a lot of places that the tw all 12 didn't go. So he had the many, the 12, the three, and then the one. There is one disciple that says this is the disciple who Jesus loved. You remember who it was? John, that's right. So you have the many, the 12, the three, and the one. And sometimes we think we want tons and tons of friends. Actually, you start looking for the 12, the three, and the one and start investing yourself in that way and build from there because that's what Jesus had as a friend. 
Now there's a Jesus principle too. Jesus principle too is out of every 12 friends, out of every 12 friends you have, nine will abandon you. One will deny you. One will betray you bitterly. And one will remain faithful. Yippee! I, I don't know why nobody ever gives me an amen for that. You know, when I, even when I'm talking to people personally. But that's out of every 12. So often our expectation is we're going to have 10 dozen friends and they're all going to be faithful and they're all going to be intimate and they're all going to be close and they'll never cause any problems and they'll never hurt us. And that's not true. Out of every 12, we'll probably have nine that will walk away from us at some point. We'll have one who betrays us, one who abandons us or denies us, and one who remains faithful. And if we have that one that remains faithful, that's all we need. But if we're good friends to others, doing these other things, chances are we'll have more than that. And then there's Jesus' principle number three. Greater love has no one than this, Jesus says, that someone lay down his life for his friends. We are called, as we remember Jesus as a friend, to remember that we lay down our lives for those who are friends. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to die for them, although we might. But it does mean that when a friend wants to hang out with you and you'd really rather stay home and watch movies, then maybe you should lay down your life and hang out with your friend. That does mean that Whenever your friend on the third time forgets to bring their wallet to pay for the cup of coffee that you're having together, that means, yes, again, you pull out your wallet and pay for that cup of coffee. That does mean that sometimes you'll have a friend and you'll agree to do something, and maybe the friend wants to have pizza and you want to have pasta, and you say, you know what, we're going to have pizza because I'm laying down my life for you as my friend. Greater love has no one than this, than someone lay down his life for his friends. And that is our call if we are going to become this kind of friend, if we're going to extend that. And the truth is we can all do it. We can all be this kind of friend. We can all extend this kind of friendship. You know, in the end, I have to say, I like me best when I'm with Jesus. I like me best when I'm with Jesus. But I also like me best when I'm with you. When I'm with my friends. And God has blessed me in so many ways. But probably the richest blessing that I have is knowing that I have friends on, in several countries around the world where we have the value of friendship, where we have walked together in some cases for many, many years, where we've been faithful to one another. And I've seen that circle of friendship grow. And it's not grown because they're so special or I'm so special. It's grown simply because 
We've chosen to follow these things that I've laid down for you today. And the truth is this, we can all have these kinds of friendships. We can all experience the power of friendship. But none of it comes easy. To have friendship with Jesus ultimately cost Jesus his life on the cross. And it's through his death and resurrection that real friendship becomes possible. It's through his death and resurrection, faith in him, that real connection with one another becomes possible. So let's endeavor to be the friends that God has called us to be, modeled after the friend Jesus Christ, so that people might look at us and say, you know, I like me best when I'm with you. Let's pray. Father God, we honor you and thank you for the amazing gift of friendship. Lord, I know that many people, even people here, have struggled with loneliness. They've struggled with a sense that it's been hard or impossible to make friends. And I pray, Father, as we worship today, you would encourage them that real friendship, like we're talking about here, is possible. And Lord, I want to pray a special prayer for those here today who have tried and tried and tried and tried to have this kind of friendship. And I pray, Father God, that you would show them if there are any selfish motives in their heart for these friendships. So not so they'd be condemned, but so they might turn away from these selfish motives. And I pray, Father, above all, that you give them hope that as they continue to persevere, as they continue to follow what is outlined in your word, as they continue to submit themselves to Jesus, that they will come into that place of deep friendship. I just pray that you give everyone here that gift because we need it so much. We love you, we praise you, we worship and adore you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen.